Hello and welcome to another episode of The Candid Fitness, a podcast where I share my learning through personal stories and also invite guests to talk about their stories or share their expertise on all things fitness which includes physical health, nutrition, workouts, mental health, self-discipline and much more. In this episode, I chat with Amy Kate Bao, who is founder and coach at The Warrior School, an online community for women who want to get strong. Today we had a very unique conversation about her experience with journaling her physical training and menstrual cycle. Through that process Amy has developed a system to help women understand their menstrual cycle and use that awareness to bring positive changes to their well-being. Amy has been coaching women for over 13 years and in this episode she explained all about the why's and how-tos of tracking your cycle. Amy is also a big advocate of bodyweight strength training. So we also discuss why bodyweight training is so important for women. This is a value packed episode so make sure you listen carefully and listen until the end. Lastly if you are looking for online coaching please head to my website abhimanyubhargav.com and check out one on one online coaching page. The links are in description. Now without further delay come join us and enjoy this candid conversation. That's how I uh, got to know about you. Oh uh, yeah. And then I was like, "This is interesting. I mean, tracking your cycles and your workout, and then modifying your workouts based on how you feel, uh, is something that a lot of women can learn." Uh, and that was, I mean, it wasn't intuitive for me to think about that. And I coach a lot of women who struggle with that. That you know, during the menstrual cycle, they are not feeling good and they are confused what to do. And I usually say that you know, do how you feel. Like if you feel energetic. put in a good workout if you don't feel energetic then you know slow down and and relax it's okay if you don't work out like a lot of time what happens is you're working out you you have a schedule that okay i'll do it i'll work out four days a week and this is what my schedule is and then it becomes very hard to then take a step back and say okay i'm going to do 50% or 60% my capacity during this time mentally like emotionally it takes a toll and i'm sure you you would have felt that too at some point in your uh, whole journey so yeah. then i thought that it makes sense to have a conversation with you and before we jump into that uh, i wanted to understand your story in brief about how did you get to that process of uh, starting to track your cycle and what uh, led you to do more extensive research on this topic because okay. i think that's that's something that a lot of women would be able to relate to it yeah um okay so how i you want to know how i started to track my cycle how and why what led you to do that because again i don't think this is something that is taught in traditional uh, you know fitness courses or workshops right it's something that you proactively did so i'm i'm keen to uh, keen to know that part of the story that what inspired you to do this Or, or experiment with this. Yeah, yeah, you're very uh you're so right that you know as coaches we're not taught about this. Uh I've been a coach for 13 years and we weren't taught about the menstrual cycle and hormones. And I think that's crazy. And even as uh women at, in school, you know we we get taught that we will start to menstruate but that's kind of it and then it stops and so this conversation is very scarce it's more popular now and there are a lot of amazing people working in this space around you know the menstrual cycle and helping support women understand but yeah as coaches we're not taught this and as women you know often we think that our cycle is a burden that it works against us and so i was competing in olympic lifting in 2015 2016 and i was always really good at you know i had an amazing coach a really good program i was very good at recovery so i had a really good movement and mobility practice i slept really well i nourished my body really well but over a couple of years uh i began to feel like something wasn't quite right you know i felt irritable i felt tired i was getting little niggles and injuries in my training and eventually i got injured quite badly and i couldn't train uh so i went looking for that missing piece like what was you know 
why did some days, you know, I really crushed my training practice and then other days it just felt so hard and, you know, it crushed me. <laughs> and what I found, you know, why I was searching and trying to just put together, I guess, the, the puzzle around why my training just didn't feel quite right. I realized that I didn't understand my cycle, the menstrual cycle. Uh, I knew that I had a cycle. My cycle had always come regularly on time and mostly without symptoms. So I had never really had cycle problems in my, like, you know, from when I began my cycle years. So I read, I started to read, read about the cycle, read about how our hormones change uh, during the cycle and how that might impact, you know, how we feel how we could train, how we could recover, how we could use food as fuel. Uh, it can impact our sleep. Uh, and then when I started to get back into training, uh, I started to lift about five or six months after I was injured. And then I began by writing the day of my cycle in my training journal. I've been tracking my training for about eight years. And so I thought, okay, let's just Let's just write the day of your cycle in your journal. And then, you know, a few cycles later, I just began to see patterns, patterns in how I felt, what day I was on, how the training went, what I noticed. Uh, and that's how I started to track just by writing the day of my cycle in my training journal. Oh, wow. So were you writing other things also? Like, how do you feel or your energy levels? What, what was that that you were tracking apart from the days? Yeah. Um, so the program, like what I'm doing for the day, the intention or, you know, the, the purpose of the session, what I actually did, uh, how I felt my sleep, uh, anything that I noticed, you know, physically in my body or like emotionally or mentally that had come up in the session. Uh, yeah, basically anything that I had noticed from the day. And I got into that practice. Yeah. About eight years ago when I really started to build my training foundation again. And so I thought, why not? Why not just like write the day of your cycle in your journal and see if you notice any patterns. And over time I did, I did notice some patterns. And then that really helped me just understand, understand my cycle, understand maybe what was happening, why things felt a little harder sometimes. And from that, I could just put in some strategies to support myself. You know, if I still wanted to train hard in that second phase, I could, and I just understood what, what was happening. Right. And do you think those based on your uh, experience coaching different women afterwards that those patterns are relevant or they are similar for every woman or every woman has different patterns? Yeah, great question. Uh, so they, they talk about um, this rule, like the big red balloon rule. And what the rule is, is that no two cycles are the same. So my cycle is very different from another woman's cycle. Her cycle is very different from mine. And then my no two cycles could be the same. You know, this cycle this month could be very different to last cycle or my next cycle. And there's loads of things that can impact our cycle. So I think the first thing is that, you know, each cycle could be different and my cycle is very different to another woman's. But we should have, you know, a pr pretty much we should have a healthy regular cycle that arrives on time. Now, whatever that means to us is a little different. Yeah. Like my cycle is around 30 days. It's always been around 30 days. Uh, and there are some patterns that I've picked up just from tracking it. Now, we have the science part, you know, so, and we can talk about this. We could talk about like what some of the science says around the menstrual cycle and, and training and the physiology. And then we have what we know. And so I didn't learn to train with my cycle through what the research said. Yeah, of course I read it and it was super interesting, but I learned to train with my cycle through tracking my cycle, you know, and really understanding it. Experimentation. Yeah. Yeah. And experimenting and knowing that it's just one tool, you know, out of many tools and it's starting this space is starting to really flourish and you'll probably see it over the next, you know, year or so. A lot of people come into this space and talk about this stuff. But I think, you know, when I talk about training with the cycle, what I really mean is that it is just a tool. You know, it's not, 
it's not the only tool. It's just one piece. And I think it's really important to know our cycle so we can know our body better and, you know, we can trust our body better. And yeah, we can use it, you know, as a tool, but it's not, you know, the, the only tool and our cycles change. And so does, you know, our life and, and, and our stress. And, you know, there's so many other things that are, I guess, you know, I talk about often this umbrella, you know, if you imagine an umbrella and the umbrella, like the, the thing that covers you is like the nervous system. So how the state of you, and then we have all these prongs that like hold the umbrella up that allow it to do its job. Now, you know, if one or more of those prongs aren't working right, or they're not super strong, maybe our nervous system's not that strong, you know, and what, what is that prong for you? Now, for some females, it can be their cycle prong. You know, if they suffer a lot of PMS, they have a lot of irregular cycles, painful cycles, you know, that stops them from training. Maybe we really need to look at the cycle prong and we need to do some work there. But for me, you know, I have a really strong cycle prong. It's never been a burden, you know, it arrives on time. Okay. So, how could I use it then? All right, well, I just, I'm going to understand, you know, the science of my cycle and what's happening and how sometimes it can feel a little harder to train, but that doesn't mean I don't train. It just means that I'm aware and I put in strategies to support myself a little more when it feels a little harder. So when you say umbrella and the prong, so you mean umbrella is like the well-being umbrella and prongs are all the different you can say pillars that support that well-being. So things like nutrition, uh, stress, relationship, work, life purpose, cycle, and cycle is one part of that. Is that how you define uh, umbrella and the prong? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And I think, you know, all of them are important and we need to realize that, you know, if we have goals with our training, we need to understand that we have all these other prongs. You know, it's not just the training prong that we need to focus on because all of these others can affect, you know, how we can train or how we're feeling or, you know, the state of our system. You know, if we're super stressed and aren't sleeping and and aren't eating enough food and those three prongs are broken or they aren't working right, you know, it's going to impact our training. And I guess, you know, my work works in linking them all together. So I have a really strong training background, all the women that I work with, you know, we're working on this training piece, you know, building a foundation, working towards goals that they have. And then I'm just helping them link the nutrition to the training and then the cycle to the training and the nutrition. So think of a triangle. So if you, we come back to this umbrella, there are so many different areas. Yeah. I just focus on the training, the nutrition and the cycle and help women learn about them and how they all connect. Uh, But there are so many other prongs that, yeah, impact, you know, how we feel and how we can train. Yeah. And and it it depends on a particular individual, which prong is being affected. And then they need to make the right efforts to then fix that prong or work on strengthening that prong. Yeah. So I work with a lot of mums. So, uh, And, you know, they've had like, uh, I was, I did a post yesterday around uh, Jenny. So I, she had her daughter 12 months ago and her daughter's not a fan of sleeping. She's been, she's a terrible sleeper. And Jenny came from, you know, a CrossFit background where she was training a lot before her pregnancy. She felt really fit, really strong. She had loads of energy. And then 12 months later, you know, she shared with me that she just felt weak. Everything felt really hard. She felt tired all of the time. And a lot had to do with that. She just wasn't sleeping. You know, she had, she has a daughter that's not a fan of sleeping. And so this sleep is so important. And then everything just felt hard in her day because she wasn't sleeping, but she wanted to get back into training. And so it's just looking at okay, like if you aren't sleeping that well, what can we do? What do we need to do to support you so you can start to to train again? Now, the training is going to look very different to what it did before because doing high-intensity group fitness classes is not going to support the physiology when you're not sleeping. You know, you have a 12-month-old 
Uh, you're not eating enough food because you're running around after, after your child all day. And so it's looking at, all right, so we need a training practice that's not stressful, that really supports where we're at. It supports our physiology, how, how we're feeling. Uh, and often that's just coming back to like body weight strength training, you know, it's just or gymnastic strength training, mm-hmm. uh, starting to build that foundation again. Everything's a little slower, you know, more controlled. Uh, we're not, we're not going into the high intensity. I guess the red zone. We want to stay down at the green zone, yeah. And then we looked at her food. You know, is she eating enough? Yeah, is she eating often enough? Is she balancing her meals? So there are some like easy wins or things that we can do. You know, if we if one of our prongs is causing so much stress, whether that's our sleep or our work or, you know, our environment or a relationship. Okay, what we might not be able to change that straight away, but we can definitely look at some strategies to put in place to support us, to support the nervous system, to to give us more energy. And one of them is looking at like, what what type of training are we doing? Yeah. And is that supporting us right now? And and why do you think body weight strength training or gymnastic is is like the foundation or is something that uh, is beneficial for initial stages or someone who's had a baby and has one of the prongs in this example, sleep affected? Yeah, great question. Uh, I I don't think it's just important for, you know, a female that has uh, given birth. I think it's important for everyone uh, to build a really strong foundation. And what, what I mean by that, I guess, you know, if you think of a house, yeah, you need to like, you need to survey the land, you need to flatten the land, you need to lay down like the concrete. Uh, That is like the foundation. And if you don't do that, and you just start building this house on, you know, on just a piece of land that hasn't had a foundation over time, it's going to break down, you know, whether it's from the weather or time, you know, we're going to start to see cracks. And that's how I kind of think about like the, the body, you know, we need to build this foundation and it's coming back to, you know, can I control my body, yep, you know, yep. in space? Can I use my body? Can I do body weight strength stuff? Um, can I develop that, that tension control and stability? And for me, you know, there, there can be loads of ways to do it, but the way that I teach and from my own experience, body weight strength training, you know, gymnastic strength training teaches us so much about, you know, our own body and controlling our own body. It's slower <laughs> as well. Like, you know, it's, 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 of course it's hard. Yeah. We can like get really complex and build on it, but it's a slower pace. Often there's been so many times, you know, when I've trained in other gyms, uh, like normal gyms, people will be like, you don't really like do much. Like it's, you look very like slothful. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like you sit around, you rest for a long time. You need it's that like, rest because yeah, you, you, need you, that are, rest. You, you are putting a lot more pressure on your body compared to lifting a dumbbell, which is like five kgs or seven kgs or 10 kgs or whatever. You are lifting your whole body weight. So Yeah, but and I think it's really important. Like, can we control our body before we add external load to it? Yeah, or before we move it fast. Um, now, not saying that you can't do them parallel to each other. And, you know, a training practice can be like, you know, very general and you can do a lot of things. But for the women that... I start working with, you know, they've been doing high intensity training and over exercising for years or decades. They've, they haven't been eating enough food uh, or food that's supporting them. A lot of them are mums, And so there's all, there's a lot of pieces and it's really stressful. So coming back to just walking, learning how to build their foundational strength again, not moving fast. Now, not saying the training is not easy. It's hard. Yeah. Body weight it strength is. training. When we demand quality from the body, and this is the other thing, you know, if we're moving fast, we're doing, you know, CrossFit or F45 or, or whatever it is. There's no quality there. Yeah. And so then if we don't have the quality or the standard, we're not learning to like move the body, you know, safely, efficiently, intelligently, and that will impact, you know, our abilities to sustain a training practice. Yeah. So I guess the short answer for you is like, it's less stressful (laughs) at the start. I'm myself a big fan of bodyweight strength training. That's 
something that I switched to after I injured my back. And my reason was because, you know, when you're doing, you're lifting weight, it puts direct pressure on your spine. And if your form is incorrect, it can lead to injury. There, there's, the chances are more. Whereas when you're doing body weight training, uh, you are in control of your body. So your body adapts in a way that it starts putting lesser pressure on the spine. And then you have to, like, there's no escape when you're doing body weight training from building that core strength and stability. Uh, whereas when you're doing weightlifting, you can escape from that in the short term. But then that's what happened with me. I eventually got injured and then I had to work on the basics again. So I 100% agree with whatever you said. And I was actually feeling really happy inside that, oh, you're saying all those things, which I agree with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it, but it's, you know, it's hard. It is. It's hard to, to do that. It's hard to slow down. You know, I always go on about like, slowing down, building the foundation, you know, coming back to, I guess we could call it basics, you know, like there's nothing basic about building a foundation, but we could come back to like, back to the basics, you know, uh, and then, you know, tracking the training, tracking the cycle. Like I always go on about this, this stuff, but it's like not easy. It's not easy to do you know, this stuff is not sexy. Yeah. This, this stuff is like, it's, it's the long way home. It takes a long time. We have to take responsibility. You know, once we choose to do that, we have to keep taking responsibility and keep choosing to like pay attention. And if we've got all these other things going on in life, you know, we're, we're navigating all like maybe three little humans, you know, and then our, our relationship and our work, it can be really hard. You know, this stuff is hard and this stuff can really challenge us like on our deepest level of like, you know, I don't know how to like link them together. I don't know how to like progress. And yeah, it's, it's not easy stuff. It's, it's hard. I mean, it takes time to build that foundation. And then as you were saying, right, it's not sexy. So, but you have to do it long enough to, to reach a certain stage when it starts looking sexy. When, when you, once you reach that stage, then you are unbeatable. You, 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 you have like, you'll exceed your limits, but to reach that stage, you have to work hard consistently for a long period of time. And most people just don't want to wait for that long and be patient enough to keep doing it. Yeah. A lot of the time, uh, most of us don't have the energy to do that, actually the capacity because of the state of our system and how stressed we are. And, you know, we, we don't quite have our food right to support ourselves or we aren't sleeping or so we actually just don't have the energy to consistently like show up to, to make it to the end. That's the main problem. You know, a lot of the time, like the women that I work with, they have the motivation, you know, they, they, they have it, but they just don't have the energy because they've just got so many energy leakages or they're not sure how to nourish their system. And then, so they just can't get to the end. So a lot of it is looking at, well, that's when we kind of come back to like, what's the cycle doing, you know? why isn't it healthy, regular? Why doesn't it arrive on time? You know, what, what's my food doing? Yeah. Am I, am I eating enough? Am I balancing my meals? Uh, those two things are really going to help us to, to go the, to go the long way and to, to reach, you know, so, to so, reach the goal. So for the women who, who, whom you feel that don't have that energy to get to that next level or keep pushing, what do you recommend? Do you uh, recommend them to keep doing it with certain changes and, and lower intensity exercises, or do you give them some different kind of uh, workout plans, which are not as hard and feel, feel much simpler compared to bodyweight exercises? Yeah. Uh, okay. Great question. There's quite a, there's a few pieces in this. I think the first piece would be like, what's like the biggest stressor like right now, you know, what do you feel like is causing the most stress? Is it the sleep? Is it maybe work? Is it a relationship? Is it, is it the training? Maybe, you know, right now you're not doing the right type of training to support the system because the system, and that might be stressful. Is it your food? Are you not eating enough food? Uh, so the first piece would be, well, what's causing a lot of the stress? You know, we kind of need to know that and then start working on that. Okay. So, but while we're stressed, we can definitely look at tweaking a couple of things out of like the training and the nutrition. Yeah. So the training, we want to make sure that, you know, we're just slowing down a little bit. Yeah. We're walking more. 
we're coming back to that, to the basics. Yeah. We're building foundational strength, I guess you could say, you know, let's look at a pull-up. Yeah. A pull-up's a super common goal for a female. You know, she often wants a, wants a pull-up. All right. So if she is like maybe doing high intensity training and, you know, uh, five, six days a week. Uh, maybe there is a bit of pull-up work in there, but she's like on a band swinging around um, or doing like jumping pull-ups. You know, all that's too fast. There's like a lot of steps that she's missed to like build into that foundation. You know, can you hang on the bar yep. for a minute? Yeah, like that's like the foundation of learning to do a pull-up. We need the grip strength. It's really good for our elbow health and our shoulder health. It helps us open our shoulders up, which we need when we learn to do a pull-up. So it's coming back to like, okay, maybe we need to add some hanging work in. Yeah. And that's pretty slow. That's pretty unsexy, but and that's really time. important. Yeah. It takes time. And the really progression is so hard. Like you'll start yes. from say, three seconds or five seconds and then slowly, slowly in like five or six months, you'll reach a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the women I worked with, Laura, when we first started working together, you know, she couldn't hold onto the bar for barely five seconds and she had to use her feet to support herself. But over time, you know, six, eight months later, she can hang for a good 40 seconds on the bar. And that's, it's super cool, but it takes, it took like eight months. It's a long time. And the worst part is the calluses that you get in your hands. (laughs) Yeah. They're not as bad as when you do Olympic lifting, but yeah, so the, the, the hanging part is really important. And then we need to know that, okay, like, are my shoulders healthy? Yeah. Like, can I do, you know, can I, can I move them properly? Can I move my shoulder blades the way that they're meant to like up and down and back and forward? You know, can I, do I have control over them? Um, and then we start looking at some access, some accessory exercises that can I do some rowing actions, like ring rows. Yeah. Can I like, there's steps that we need to take. And now that takes a really long time and which is, you know, it's fun once you get in it, but it's a little bit scary when you're on the outside thinking, wow, man, like to work towards a pull-up, it's going to take me a year or, or 18 months or two years or three years, like depending on where I'm at and what else is going on in my life and how much I train, there's just so much to it. Um, But I think understanding that process is really important and having a coach there to, to help you through it. Um, But you can see how that's a lot slower, you know, that we're working on those. And so that's kind of, I guess, to give you an example of how we like slow it down and it's all really controlled and strength-based stuff which is less stressful on our system. And then if you also think of like a main goal for a female often is to change her body composition. Now, this is a really big conversation around like, why does she want to do that? And what does it mean to her? And and really digging deep. But if we think about, you know, if we want to change our body composition, well, we need to build lean muscle mass because lean muscle mass at rest burns fat for fuel. And, you know, it's the active tissue in our body that helps us burn more energy when we're at rest. So the more muscles that we have, the more energy we burn at rest, which then therefore supports that goal if we have that goal around our body composition. So often it's swinging away from this high intensity cardio based, you know, training that... Yeah, that eats a lot of our muscle mass and, and is really stressful for the system to slow it down, come back just to strength training where, you know, everything's controlled, we're resting longer, we're working on building lean muscle mass to support, yeah, to support the system. Yeah. And and that again, takes a long time. Uh, And you will not see a lot of changes in your weight. In fact, there would be instances where your weight will actually go up because you're building muscles or it'll stay stagnant for a long time. Yeah. And then it just depends, it depends on the, like the state of the system as well. You know, we, we need to get the system strong. And what I mean by that is like your nervous system or your metabolism, you know, how, like if you're chronically stressed all of the time and you have all this cortisol and all these stress hormones in you, you know, and you're still not eating enough or sleeping, and then you're, you're doing this training, you know, there's still like a gap there. We still need to work on 
supporting the system, you know, eating enough food, resting, sleeping. Yeah. And there's some signs that we can look to make sure that the system is like working properly. Uh, And then that's how we can like tailor our training based on like what the body's telling us and how our system is. So you, you mentioned phases of menstrual cycle, right? And then tracking those. So what are those phases? If you can explain that in, in simple language so that I can also understand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, great question. So let's just look at the science of a cycle. Yeah. And, you know, when they talk about a cycle, they often talk about like a 28 day cycle, which is like a textbook cycle. You know, if you read a lot of the stuff, um, it's like 28 days. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, that might not be your normal. Yeah. Your normal might be 20, 24 days, 26 days, maybe 30 days, maybe 32 days. Now there is a range. Yeah. So a a pretty like normal, healthy, regular cycle should come between 21, 22 and 35 days. Anything shorter or longer, there might be some stuff going on that we would need to have a look at. But if your cycle is between 21 and 35, it's a healthy cycle. It's a, it's a healthy cycle. And there, you know, and it depends wherever you sit, you'll have your normal. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that every cycle will be exactly the same. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe it's 28 days, one cycle, maybe it's 30 days, another cycle. But if it's around, you know, the same every time. Okay. Well, that's like the first piece. All right. So if we think of a, a, a cycle, basically we can break it into two phases. So the first phase is the follicular phase. The second phase is the luteal phase. In the middle, we have ovulation. All right, so the first phase is from day zero or day one. Yeah, so day one is like the first day of our heaviest bleed, you know. So we can like have a little bit of spotting, have a little bit of bleeding, but that's not day one. Day one is when we have the the heaviest heaviest bleed. Yeah, so then our the actual period part might go for four days, maybe five days, maybe seven days. It shouldn't really go for any longer than seven days. You shouldn't bleed longer than any seven days. So that's the first half of the follicular phase, you know, from when day one, when I'm bleeding to, you know, when I, when I stop bleeding. And then once I stop bleeding around day seven, what happens is estrogen She's the dominant hormone in the first phase. So she's like Beyonce. Yeah. Imagine Beyonce. Okay. She's like confident, alluring. She like is like sexy. She dominates the stage. She's really good at learning complex dance routines. She's got lots of energy. So around day eight, nine, 10, estrogen starts to rise. Uh, And that's when we can feel, we feel pretty good. Yeah. Because she's coming on stage and she's also going to bring a really cool backup dancer, which is testosterone. Yeah. So also really good for our training. Uh, And then we get to ovulation, which is around day 14. This is if we have a 28 day cycle, we'll just go off that. So then we ovulate. And then estrogen dips a little bit before it rises after ovulation. And with it, progesterone, which is the dominant hormone in the second phase, it rises. So it, it dominates this second phase. So you can think about the two phases as low hormones because when we're on our period, our hormones are flatlined. So think of like flat lines and then they slowly begin to increase, you know, just before ovulation. And then you can think of the second phase as high hormones because we've got high progesterone and estrogens also a little high. So we've got these two phases. Now, our hormones can affect like how we feel, you know, how we might recover, how we might train, how we might use food as fuel. So if we understand that, yeah, okay, I have a 30-day cycle, I can look at the first two weeks and kind of know that, all right, so around day 10, 11, 12, my estrogen might start to rise. And that might mean that I actually have more energy. You know, I can use carbohydrates as fuel better. My body's more efficient at using them. Uh, I have higher testosterone. So that might mean I could train harder. You know, if I have the energy, if my hormones are there to support me, uh, if I can 
use carbohydrates better to fuel my training. All right. So let's, let's train hard. Let's maybe train more often. Let's lift some weights in this, in this phase, because, you know, I have my hormones there to support me. Uh, Research has shown that, you know, I might feel less pain or I could recover faster depending on, you know, if I have good recovery strategies in place. And so I feel good. So we can use that, right? We can use that my hormones are lower and then I start to get estrogen and testosterone on stage. They make me feel good. I should have lots of energy around day 10 to, you know, day 16, 17. So I could train harder. I could train longer. And then once I get into the second phase where progesterone is the dominant hormone, it's super important and a lovely hormone. It's it's good to like calm us and soothe us, but also it brings some stuff with it. Yeah, it it increases our core temperature, so our body temperature is a little higher, uh, which can make it a little harder to train sometimes. You know, if we're in a hot, humid environment and our core temperature is already higher. Some research has shown that our time to fatigue is a little quicker. You know, if I'm doing hard training in my second phase and it's a hot or a humid environment, and maybe I haven't been on top of my hydration, I might not be able to train as hard or I might fatigue a little quicker or things might feel a little heavier just because I'm hotter. Yeah. More, uh, in the core, um, Also, it can affect our sleep just because our core temperature is a little higher. So some females do struggle to sleep uh, as well in the second phase just because of that body temperature. So then if we're not sleeping as well, that can also impact our training. Uh, So generally uh, in the second phase, you know, it's just it's being a little bit more mindful about what happens. Yeah, that, you know, our sleep might be a little bit affected uh, our core temperature is a little higher. It's a little harder for our body to use carbohydrates as fuel. It prefers to use protein and fat for fuel in that second phase. Um, so it's really about not not training in that second phase, but just being aware what's happening. Yeah. And then putting in some strategies to support us it, if we, re- we want to train hard. So in that second phase, when you say train hard, like, can you give some example of what is hard training? Like maybe from your personal, uh, because when somebody listens to this, a lot of people may think that, okay, I'm not able to train hard. Therefore I shouldn't train or, you know, I should not do any strength training. I should just do a little bit of cardio. Is that what it means? Or does it mean that you're not able to do maybe hundred percent, but you can do still do 75, 80% of your usual Yeah, great, great question. So there is a little bit of a body of research out there around, you know, the different phases and how it affects performance, but there's a lot of variables in it. There's not a lot of research just because we're a little hard to study because of our cycle. So I guess if we look at the two phases and, you know, you really only know this if you track your cycle and you're aware of what's happening, but we can look at it from a physiological perspective or what's happening to our physiology. So in the first phase, you know, our physiology is supporting us to maybe train harder just because our hormones are lower, our core temperature is lower, we can use carbohydrates better. Some research has shown that we can get more strength gains in this first phase. All right. So Let's use that. Now, the way that I can break it down, if we kind of want to start to link the training and the cycle together is the first day or so of the period, some females might experience a lot of PMS. They might have low energy. They might not feel that great. Now that's not normal, but it's common. So to experience a lot of PMS is not normal. It's the body telling you that there's something going on and the system is stressed. Yeah. We, it's okay to feel a little bit of discomfort, you know, a little bit of pain in our lower back or a little bit of pain, you know, in our, in our vagina. Sometimes it can feel like the vagina is falling out a little bit. Yeah. A little bit but not too much. We shouldn't have excruciating pain and nausea and headaches and cramps and all that and cramps. And that's the body saying that, okay, we, we, we need to look at something, but we can feel a little bit of discomfort. So, you know, we can honor that and we can just take it slow. Maybe we walk for the first day or so. Maybe we do light yoga practice or a mobility practice. But then we can start to build in. Yeah. After the first few days, we should feel pretty good. So let's like, 
let's start to build into whatever we're doing. Yeah. So a lot of the women that I work with will start a new program in this phase, you know, at the start of their cycle. And if we have a focus, we start to build into that training. So, you know, if we're working on a pull-up, maybe we start to build in some accessory work. Yeah. Like some ring rows and some, you know, back exercises and we're like, we're still mindful of like how we feel, but we're starting to build some volume in there. Okay. And then we get into, you know, our estrogen's higher, you know, we're around day 10, maybe our energy feels really good. All right. Now maybe we could start to like do a complex movement or train a bit harder. Maybe we could lift a little heavier. Maybe we might not have to rest as long. Yeah. We can, uh, we can push ourselves a little more. And then that could look just like doing a little bit more complex movements or lifting a little bit heavier weight if everything feels good. And then we really can maintain that pretty much all the way up to maybe five days before our period where we might start to feel a little bit of a difference. But I call that big section in the middle, just like a maintenance where just do your program. Yeah. Like train, you know, train hard, uh, follow your program, listen to your body. I think The best way I describe it is that I've had some of my best training days, you know, on day 22, day 26 or day one of my cycle when, you know, the research says that we might not feel our strongest or, you know, it might be harder. And then I've had some of my hardest training days on day 14. Yeah. When I meant to be, be yeah, when I should like be able to yeah, be the best and train hard. And, you know, but I, maybe I haven't slept that well. Maybe the day before I didn't eat that much, or maybe I had a lot on with work, you know, and I did a lot of presentations or a lot of calls and my body's just tired or my mind's tired. And and it doesn't matter if I'm on day 14, you know, I could still feel like shit and I need to know that. Yeah. So just because the research says something doesn't mean that we follow that But we can kind of look at the physiology as that foundation and then go off that. So when we get to this second phase, you know, where physiologically we're a little bit impeded and it's a little harder, you know, five to seven days before our period comes again, that's when maybe we just need to like slow down a little again. Maybe we need to rest longer. Now, it doesn't mean change the training. If I'm on a strength training program, I will still do the strength training program. It just might mean that instead of resting 90 seconds, I might need two minutes or two and a half minutes just to get my heart rate back down to feel like I'm ready again. It depends what I'm doing. If the movement's really complex, yeah, I probably just need to rest a bit longer. Uh, And so we can play with a lot of different things like the rest period. Maybe we don't lift as heavy, you know, maybe we, yeah, we just change a few variables in the program. And so it doesn't mean don't train. It just means listen. It might feel a little harder. Make sure we're eating enough, drinking enough, sleeping. You know, those are the main things that we can do. And then we can still show up and do our training program. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So it's, it all ties back to your uh, umbrella and prong analogy that training is, you know, sorry, the, the cycle is one prong of that whole umbrella. So you have to keep a track of that and make sure that you're aware of how you feel from that perspective. And then at the same time, you need to be aware of the other prongs as well. And then based on that, decide what, how you feel and and then modify your training or tweak your training slightly based on that and not just entirely change everything. Yeah. And that's a hard thing as well. You know, we, we often want to follow just a way or a protocol or, you know, and be told what to do. And yeah, for sure we can, you know, our coach can give us a program and, and, and we can have these progressions and we can know, you know, about the cycle and we can know we have the two phases and the second phase might feel a little harder, but really we have to choose to take responsibility for ourselves and know that, okay, like, is the training working for me right now? you know, am I eating enough? What am I finding by tracking my training and my cycle? Are there some signs that my body's telling me that maybe what I'm doing right now is not supporting me? And I'll only know that if I can like track. So I think, yeah, it's important to know that, yes, we have the cycle, you know, that's the main difference between a male and a female is that we have a menstrual cycle. That menstrual cycle can impact how we feel, how we can train, how we can recover. But 
not not always yeah for and this is what I tell a lot of the women that I work with if you have a healthy regular cycle that arrives on time uh, you're really good with your nutrition you recover well you've got good programming that's supporting you you should be able to just train and and recover and that's you know it doesn't it doesn't really matter that you have the cycle there because you have put in all these strategies to support you and yeah and in practice how do you track it like do you have any ideas on that yeah great question uh so often i'll just get her to write it in a in a diary in a in a training journal i'm a big fan of having a notebook and having something like physical physical yeah in in front of you yeah i've never been a fan of apps um i don't know if it's my age or i i just find something very intrusive about having the phone there to, to write the training down or to write, to, to go into an app. Um, so I love writing it in a notebook and I would just start by writing the day, you know, let's start to, to know when day one is. And then when day one comes again, let's start to know the length because you need to know the length of the cycle to then understand when these hormones changes are happening. You know, if I have a 21 day cycle, my hormone changes are going to look very different compared to a 35 day cycle. Yeah. When they, when they are low, when they're high. And so I need to know the length of my cycle first. So start by writing day one and then just write every day in your journal until the next day. That's the, that's the first place I would start. And then I would start paying attention to some other things, you know, like, how are you feeling? You know, maybe on day 14, like over a few cycles, do you feel good? Maybe do you notice that on day 26 that it feels a little harder? And and what do you start to notice on the day and link it to your training? And just by writing a little bit, like some notes in there. And then, so I'm not a fan of apps, really. Probably the best app out there is Fitter Woman. So F-I-T-R and then woman. There's some really great researchers in the UK that were the first app to link like the cycle and training together. So they work a lot with athletes, female athletes, and they do a lot of research around the physiology and how that affects the, the performance. So that is that's probably the only app that I would recommend just to start to, to get comfortable with like the tracking and they provide some information in there around the different phases and how you might feel. Uh, and then the third piece out of this is fertility awareness method and, you know, ovulation. So this middle part is the most important part of the cycle. You know, we don't actually need to bleed. Yeah. Uh, we need to ovulate. So that process needs to happen. And a lot of females, sometimes they don't ovulate. Yeah. And if it's, if we're really stressed, the system's really stressed, we're not eating enough. It's super common for females to not ovulate. And then if we don't ovulate, we're not making those key hormones. We're not making progesterone. Progesterone, Yeah. So ovulation is, you know, we need to know if we're ovulating. Now we can't do that through an app. Yeah. An app can predict, but it's, it's not the way that we, we see if we're ovulating. We look through body temperature. So taking basal body temperature and cervical mucus. Now I don't teach that. I would refer to a fertility awareness practitioner and educator that works in that space. And this is for women that are not on hormonal birth control, because if you're on hormonal birth control, you don't have a natural cycle. So you don't ovulate. It stops that process because it's, stopping you from having a baby. So for all women that are not on hormonal birth control and they want to know, you know, more about their cycle and they want to know if they're ovulating, I would link into like fertility awareness. And that is a practice that teaches you more about your body. Yeah. Through understanding, you know, certain signs and to tell if you're ovulating. So there's kind of three stages. The first stage, just write the day. (laughs) Of the, of the cycle in the journal. Okay. I think that having that awareness would make a lot of difference, not just for your training, but also life in general, right? It may have cert- some impact on, you know, how you feel when you're going to work or how you feel when you are just being yourself and doing your own household chores and other stuff. Is that how it works? 
like does does that does that have a correlation with your life in general as well apart from training yeah yeah i think the best way you can uh describe it is like females are cyclic you know we we work on this cycle and we you can notice some things you know in different phases of your cycle uh there is a little bit of research around there around when it links to like work and communication you know in the first a uh, couple of in the first phase of our cycle we're more, you know, we want to connect. We, we're better at communication. We really want to get on and like do podcasts and workshops and, you know, get out there. And then towards that second phase, you know, the second phase of our cycle towards the end of our cycle, sometimes we don't want to, you know, we don't want to, maybe we don't feel that great. We don't want to show, we don't want to go out and connect it with all these people. Maybe we find it a little harder to get on and do, you know, but not always. Yeah. I think I'm on day 26 right now and I, I feel great. Yeah. Like I slept really well. I, you know, I have eaten. I, yeah. And I'm here talking to you at 7am and it's day 26 and, but I, (laughs) I feel good. Did you decide this date based on that? No, 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 I didn't actually. But sometimes I will look a little bit because, you know, in those last five days, it is a little harder sometimes and it it can change every cycle. But I really try and plan a lot of my stuff, you know, the start or the middle of my cycle, just because I find that my energy is better. I really want to like get out there and and communicate and, and share and teach and connect whereas those last few days sometimes I don't I don't feel like it now it's not saying that I don't do it I just put in again strategies to make sure that you know I'm supported to to do it but yeah you're right you're right in saying that you know it's one piece it can help us understand you know what's going on not only in our training but in our relationships, in our work, uh, in our creativity, in our communication. So it's all connected. Yeah. So it's not just workout. I think tracking it in general, it's important. (laughs) Yeah, because it builds trust with our body. And I think that's the key thing. You know, it's like, why would I do this? Yeah. Like I don't, so often I'll get some women saying, well, like I, it doesn't impact me. Yeah. And I don't really feel a difference when it comes to the training, but I'm like, but it's like a tool that you can use and understand to build trust with the body. And I think that's really cool in itself. Like all of this stuff really is teaching us to connect to ourselves, to understand our own body. Yeah. And, you know, then be able to use that to tailor maybe our training or our food uh, to support the cycle or know that the cycle plays a role in the, in the food and the, in the training. And it's really just about connecting, building trust to know that, yeah, my cycle is healthy. It's regular. It arrives on time. I don't have PMS. Like that's really cool. I trust my body. I trust that what I'm doing in my training and my nutrition is working for me because my t- cycle is telling me the story. Yeah? yeah. If my cycle was irregular, if it was painful, now I would ask myself, okay, if what am I doing you in that umbrella or is my nutrition and is my training supporting my cycle? Well, no, because it's telling us the story other than something medical could be going on for sure. And we always need to seek support of a doctor and, and get that checked out. But often I'll start with, okay, like, are we eating enough? And what's the training doing? Uh, And start looking at that. So the trust piece is the most important piece. Yeah. All that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Yeah. Was it, did I I break it down? Okay. For you? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Very well. I'm pretty sure I'll be able to use that, this whole concept in my own coaching practice as well. Not obviously not as good as what you do, but in my own way. So, and that gives me a lot of perspective. And I think those who are listening will also get uh, some sense of what they should be doing. So how much data do you think is enough? Like how many cycles does one need to track to understand that, okay, I've tracked enough. Now I have enough awareness and understanding of my cycle. And therefore I can maybe stop tracking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's such a big question. Uh, (laughs) So, it's like, you know, how, how you have intuitive eating. So people track their yes. calories for a long period of time. And then they reach a state where they're like, okay, I understand my body now. And now I can stop tracking or I can reduce, you know, the, the accuracy with which I track. 
and slow down yes. a little bit. So is there something? Great example. Yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. So with the cycle, I, it will probably take you three or four cycles of just writing the day and maybe noticing to, to see if you could notice. I probably say around six months for you to start to get some data just by writing in your training journal and just seeing what's happening. But it's really hard because like no two cycles might be the same. It just depends what's going on with your red umbrella and, and everything. But I would say around four to six months for you to start to know like the length of your cycle and maybe what's ha- some key things that are happening. Um, if you go to fertility awareness method, you know, I did it for like a year where I like, you know, the temperature, the cervical mucus, the understanding when you ovulate, I don't do that anymore. I just know, you know, I look for some key signs uh, and I know what's happening with my body. Uh, but that, you know, I practice that for a year or more. And But you can do this stuff all of the time. You know, it's such an, it's an ongoing thing. Like I still write the day of my cycle in my training journal. I still write how I feel, you know, so I can still see patterns especially as like maybe life changes or my training changes. I want to know how that, you know, how it still all links. Um, so yeah, there's not really an end, you know, is there's no end date on it. Uh, it's always changing. We always learn new things. You know, I've been doing it for five years now and I still learn new things about, about my cycle. You're doing it because you certainly see the benefits. Yeah. Uh, for me, I just, I like to know, you know, it builds trust with my body. I, I want to know that what I'm doing is, is everything's connected and it's supporting me. Now I don't, you know, I don't pay as much attention to it as I, what I did when I was learning because yeah, like for me, it's, you know, it's just there, but my training and my nutrition strategies are just so strong uh, that, you know, my cycle just arrives regularly on time and without symptoms. So it doesn't really impact me a lot. Now, if I'm just learning and I have a really irregular cycle that, you know, uh, and then I'm just learning how to train and, and then I'm trying to fit the nutrition piece in there as well. A lot of stuff, really overwhelming. So just start by noticing. And you definitely need a coach and support from medical practitioners in those cases. So yeah, there's, uh, you know, for training, I think it's really important to have a good coach to help you, you know, uh, have a really good process and and a method uh, to hold you accountable, to give you feedback. And then if you're having a lot of trouble with your cycle, it's helpful to reach out to a practitioner that works, you know, in cycle health that can support you, you know, and then the food piece as well. You know, it's, it's sometimes really helpful to get some support on, on the nutrition. All right. We've covered quite a lot in this yeah. <laughs> 60 minutes packed session. Yeah. <laughs> so where can people reach out to you? Yeah. So I show up mostly on my Instagram Uh, where I post a lot of stuff about all of these three things that we've spoken about, the training, the nutrition, and the cycle. And so that is Amy, Kate, Bo, B-O-W-E. That's just my, it's my full name is my Instagram name. And on there, yeah, I just post around, you know, our cycle, our training, our nutrition, how we can link them together. Once a month, I run like a free online session. Uh, that has like a different theme. So this month is on how to train uh, and eat with your cycle. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So anyone can come, even coaches. You know, I do a lot of work with coaches and how we can start this conversation with our our female clients and students. Uh, And so I invite coaches to come as well as females who train and want to start to learn how to link them together. So I'm running that on the 20th of March. It's, you can just sign up with the link in my bio and then Uh, yeah, come along to that. It's free. It's live. It's online. And we'll talk through how to like link them to how to start linking them together. Yeah. Those are the, those are the main things I think that people can link into and, and connect in with me. Perfect. And you also have something known as the warrior school, right? Uh, Yes, I do. Yeah. And I have my podcast, I guess. Your podcast. (laughs) I guess there's many more. Um, I do a podcast, yeah, which is called Warrior School. And again, we're just talking about like the training, the nutrition and the cycle. And 
often I'll get a guest on that works in those areas and we'll talk about, you know, how we can, how we can link them all together and things that we can do to really support our training and help us get results in our training. So I have the podcast, uh, which is named after Warrior School which is the online school that I run <clears throat> for women, teaching them how to link their nutrition and their cycle to their training so they can get the results that they want in their training. Okay, perfect. I'll, I'll put some of those links in the description so that people can just reach out to you through that. Beautiful. Thank you. So thank you for having me on and for wanting to have this conversation. I just want to celebrate you as a male coach because... You know, a lot of male coaches don't have this conversation and aren't interested. And I think it's really cool. Thank you so much. And I think I've learned a lot from this entire conversation. And I'm sure I follow you on Instagram and I'll continue to learn more. So thank you so much for uh, doing this at, at an awkward time yeah. in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you for coming on late at night as well. It was lovely to speak to you. Guys, this was amazing. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this conversation, please leave us a 5-star review on iTunes. It would mean a lot to us. Hope you find these conversations useful. If you have any feedback or any suggestions, feel free to connect with me on Instagram. So until next time, my friends, have a wonderful day and be awesome.